powerful collaborations, cutting-edge science, and curious minds coming together for a glimpse of the future. Stay tuned as we look at the latest updates on some of the most promising technology projects. Hello and welcome. I'm your host, Peter Ballant from Technicon, and today we look at the EPIC project for the first time. Like many other current technology projects, EPIC is here to ensure that the things that work great now will also work great in the future. In the case of EPIC, the focus is on error correction in data transfer. When we reach beyond 5G data communication speeds, the forward error correction codes, or FEC, that we use today will no longer work. This would cause unacceptable data loss and slowdowns. EPIC is a research project to examine standardization for future communication systems utilizing super-fast transfer rates. Today we welcome three guests, all working at IMT Atlantique in Brest, France, and all partners in the EPIC project. We welcome Catherine Duya, who is a professor in the electronics department. She's devoted a good part of her research interests to forward error correction codes. She's also in charge of the interaction between algorithms and silicone, or IAS, research team. We also speak with Stefan Weithofer. He is an associate professor with the electronics department at IMT Atlantic since September of last year. His research focus is centered around the joint considerations of algorithms and hardware implementation targeting area and efficient ASIC solutions for baseband signal processing. And finally, we welcome Shabel Abdel Noor. He is an associate professor at IMT Atlantic since 2011, and he's been working on EPIC since the project kicked off in 2017. Because of the coronavirus situation, we reached everyone remotely from their home offices. Let's jump into EPIC, Katrin, and tell us what category this project falls into. Is it communications? Yes, the, the target application of EPIC is to be able to provide reliable communications at super fast transfer rates. And it's, uh, EPIC is a research uh, project which, has, uh, which is at the meeting point of basic research on one side and standardization for future communication systems on the other side. Okay, I've noticed on the web page that you often refer to beyond 5G speeds. I'm assuming this is the super fast speeds that you're talking about, correct? Yes, but beyond 5G is more than this. Uh, you know, beyond 5G is uh, refers to 5G. 5G is the fifth generation of mobile communication systems. G stands for generation. So this uh, 5G started, started to be standardized in May the 2018 and should be finalized by the end of this year, 2020. And uh, 5G promised a significantly increased performance with respect to the previous generations in terms of data rate application and a very uh, superior user experience. And uh, but uh, some promises uh, were kept with the current um, standard, but the others do not. And in simple words, beyond 5G is an umbrella term for everything that didn't make in, didn't make it into 5G as we know it today. And my question now would be, how long do we expect 5G to be here? 
You know, when is it that we go to the next generation? Stefan? Well, that depends uh, greatly on, on the market needs and uh, the application needs that develop. Uh, if you look at the past evolutions, you had the first the mobile revolution, then you had the fourth generation that brought you the mobile internet. Now is the fifth generation in progress. Depending on the evolution of the applications that are out there, you will either look at five years or maybe 10 years for beyond 5G. So to me, this says that if you're developing something for 5G, you, you, you might actually be a little late to the game, right? Because 5G is already rolling out in some geographic areas. Or is this something that continues to develop? Charbel? No, it's something that continues to develop. Actually, there was the standardization process started uh, in 2018, and there is continuous releases and evolution in the standardization process. That's why it's a continuous process. And what's lying ahead is uh, adding additional applications, such as ultra-reliable applications, which can be used to control, for example, autonomous vehicles or uh, a far away uh, control of uh, uh, surgical devices or stuff like that. So, uh, so these applications will come along as uh, 5G evolves into beyond 5G. So also on your website, you talk a lot about forward error correction. That seems to be the heart of what Epic is about. Um, do I have that right? Yes, it's, it's, uh, it's about trite. So uh, um, basically, uh, when, when a radio transmission is performed, it's, uh, it's impacted by distortions that can modify its contents up to a point that making them uh, completely non-understandable at the receiver side. So, so this is a problem, a major problem, and there could be several solutions to such a problem. The first, for example, is to retransmit several times until the content is well received. However, the solution wastes time and power that could have been used to transmit additional useful content. Uh, another solution could be to transmit much more uh, power, with much more power, um, in a way that the, the content remains understandable at the receiver side. Uh, however, in addition to the wasted power, this could also have diverse effect on health. So we all know the issues related to antenna radiations and sensitivity of people to this effect. So the third solution is the use of forward error correction. Uh, such a technology introduces redundancy in the transmitted content uh, that is used to replace any detected distortion, distorted parts of the signal at the receiver side. Um, this proved to be much more efficient than the previous mentioned alternatives. And uh, uh, one major practical example is that forward error correction allows the miniaturization that is needed for mobile phones. Uh, without it, for example, simply would, we would need much larger antennas and batteries. So is it safe to say forward error correction is being used everywhere in, in all telephone communications and uh, telephone data transmissions? Yes. <laughs> okay. And it's nothing It's nothing new, right? I mean, the forward error correction has been around for a while, uh, but Epic is looking at how this will be used uh, in the future, correct? Yes. In Epic, what's different uh, from the what was existing before in terms of uh, forward error correction is that uh, we foresee for our application that need 
very huge uh, de data amounts to be transmitted or very to or very uh, uh, which has to be transmitted very fast you know so we need very high data rates and uh, the the fec the forward error correction codes that exist uh, at the moment are not decoders on and encoders are not fast enough to uh, be able to transmit this uh, very fast, this huge amount of data. So in, in EPIC, we have to design new fake codes or to modify the existing fake codes, depending. And uh, the, we have to, to devise new way of decoding them and, to and we have to uh, find how to implement them in uh, in circuits in integrated circuits for the the new needs of beyond 5g applications and you said that the our data needs are growing um can you just give us an example in case somebody's not familiar with what's really happening out there that the, what are some examples of these intense data rates that are being used and sought after stefan well i mean one uh, Example that, that you could do, give is, a, a, let's say, mobile virtual reality. Everyone has an, an idea about virtual reality. It has been around in uh, sort of science fiction terms for a long time. And uh, also for uh, many years, there's existing virtual reality solutions that require large backpacks, large goggles. Uh, but uh, nowadays, uh, you can think of a mobile virtual reality where, for example, you arrive at a, an airport in a foreign country and you get uh, augmented reality data uh, with your virtual reality glasses and all the signs are automatically translated. You have all the map info on your phone and uh, with this augmented and virtual reality data, of course, you need larger data rates to uh, uh, get all this data to your to your glasses to your phone because you cannot do all the computations on the phone okay well this sounds like something out of the future but this is this is reality um and we talk about forward error correction codes this is kind of your focus um and as i said they've been around for a while that's nothing new but in epic are you able to build on what's already uh, been developed or established or do you have to do a lot of work from scratch. No, we don't have to start from scratch, uh, especially uh, us. Uh, uh, we three work at AMT on turbo codes, which are in fact the backbone of the third and fourth generation standards like LTE or UMTS. But solutions, even though they are tried and tested, they do not scale up to the data rates that are needed. We've mentioned this before. And to make them fit for the future, so to say, we have to look at all the aspects of the design process of such a FEC system, like the code design, the algorithm design, and the hardware implementation um, jointly. And we have to uh, collaborate very closely, the algorithm guys with the implementation guys. And this is very interesting also to work as a researcher because you have a continuous feedback of how your solutions uh, have impact on other parts of the development process and 
the final result as well. The, the, the EPIC team is a consortium. It's a project consortium working towards a, a goal of adapting a system for the future communications uh, error correction system. How many people, all in all, make up this project? I'm just kind of curious, how big of a team do you have? How much, uh, how much muscle do you have in this area of development and research? So in uh, the EPIC project, uh, we are eight partners. But from the technical point of view, we are between uh, 10 and 15 people working on the topic. And um, in fact, uh, we are working, depending on the partners, we are working on three different solutions, fake solutions for the project. So corresponding to three family of codes. Here I, at I am the Atlantic. We are, as already uh, mentioned by Stefan, we work on turbo codes. But some other partners are working on another family of codes, which is called the LDPC codes, low density parity check codes. And another, so another group works on polar codes, which is uh, the, third, the third family. So, in fact, this is the way we, we work in the project. And a project like this really gains a lot of strength and synergy by involving a diverse group. So can each of you describe your contribution to the project? Well, as I, as I mentioned before, all three of us here at IMT, we focus on the TurboCode family. But uh, as I also mentioned before, there are several steps in the process of designing a fax system. There's uh, the code design, the algorithm design, the hardware implementation, and uh, myself, I'm uh, mainly concerned with the hardware design. Uh, so the design of the actual hardware of a, of a turbo decoder. Uh, Chavel, maybe you want to say something? To Yes, I, I mainly work on uh, the code design aspect and uh, simplified uh, decoding algorithms also. So, so basically, um, I collaborate with Stefan closely and we, we uh, do a lot of exchange of information because any modifications I do on the algorithmic side they would have an, a major impact on the hardware implementation, and and sometimes it, this 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 part could be tricky, and uh, and and the foreseen impact is not really uh, real in practice. So so that's why we have to collaborate closely and do a lot of feedback and exchange of information so that we we get it right. Catherine also maybe. Yes, and uh, I also work on the more on the code design side uh, in collaboration with Charbel, and also I contribute uh, uh, in a certain way in uh, in the decoding algorithm design. But I think it it, it has to be stressed again that. Um... When designing uh, the, the fax system as a whole, you cannot really make a clear cut because uh, the choices that you make uh, in your, uh, let's say, in your corner of the of the design space, they will affect uh, everyone else in the in the system. 
uh, if uh, Chabelle uh, and uh, myself discuss a simplified decoding algorithm that uh, might require changes to the code design and the other way around. So uh, there's not uh, a clear cut, so to say. Yeah, yes, and this is a continuous process with regular feedback from uh, uh, implementation results or uh, decoding algorithm results also uh, up to the code designs. Sometimes we have to modify the code design to make the, the, the decoder more uh, easy to be uh, implemented, for example. So nobody's operating in a silo. I mean, this is, you, you're all working very closely together uh, for the common goal here. Nobody's working alone. Nobody's working in a bubble. No, that's, that's not possible. No, exactly. Uh, and this leads me to another question. Um, you're developing things. You're you're working with uh, algorithms and and coding and so forth. Who owns this in the end? I mean, this is an EU project. Uh, they're paying for it. Um, is 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 your company the company that you work for? Are are these the owners? Is this proprietary, uh, or is it uh, open source? Or what happens to the code? The, the the developed solutions are the proprietary of the of the of IMT, for example, in our case, of each partner of the project, uh, um, and and the f uh, received funding from the EU helps keep uh, uh, academic European academics and partners from industry ahead of the game and to prepare next generation solutions that would be EU proprietary and, and develop, developed in the EU. So to keep the cutting edge research in the field in the EU. At the end of EPIC, if you've achieved everything you wanted to achieve, then is there the need for a follow-up project or can you say, all right, we've done this and we're moving on to the next thing? No, well, uh, maybe I can say something. Uh... Yeah, go ahead, Stefan. Through projects like EPIC, which well, clearly advances the state of the art by uh, orders of magnitude, at least in the field of turbo codes, you gain insights that allow you to move forward, to continue to move forward. And I think in that sense, EPIC also uh, not only achieved uh, its goals, but it also laid the groundwork to uh, continue uh, the, on the road, it, it's uh, just the beginning. So yes, there will be more work to emphasize what we have already achieved. And uh, this, is, uh, this is the nature of research. Uh, it's a continuous uh, process. Is there anything that you would want the general public to know about EPIC? Maybe let me put it this way. Uh, we are here working, again, said it before, we are working on turbo codes, which I said, I said before uh, that uh, are included in the 3G and 4G standards, but they were not included in the 5G standards for reasons that we don't need to get into here. But uh, if we can challenge the notion that uh, turbo codes uh, would be at a disadvantage and will be useful for beyond 5G applications, I think that is uh, one of the goals that... Uh, we would want to get across in EPIC. Yes, if we are able to do this, this will be a great success for us. Yeah, this is basically one measure of, of, uh, of success for us also, is that the, the, the turbo codes have been a reliable technology for several years until now. And uh, 
in, in the meanwhile, there have been diminishing uh, interest in them because other technologies evolved and uh, and 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 was uh, has emerged since. So so therefore, there have been a preconceived idea that they are less suitable or they are at, at a disadvantage with respect to to other code families to go to high speed or high 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 throughput. And, uh, and in this project, as mentioned by Stefan earlier, we were able to, to achieve more than one order of magnitude improvement uh, and, and set the ground for even another uh, uh, order of magnitude uh, actually in the, in, the, in the possible future. So, so in this sense, this great uh, improvement shows, uh, tries to, 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 to combat this uh, perceived idea that this type of, of, uh, of codes is not suitable for beyond 5G context. And this is a good time to point out that the work performed on turbo codes thus far in EPIC is on the innovation radar of the European Commission. And the innovation radar is an initiative to identify high potential innovations and innovators in EU funded research and innovation projects. So this is quite a recognition for all of you and for EPIC. So I say congratulations. And on that note, I say thanks for sharing your time today to help us to understand a little bit more about EPIC. It's a rather complex topic, but I think it's important to bring it to everyone in a way that is hopefully easy to follow. Thank you. Thank you for the opportunity. Thank you, Peter, for letting us try to explain at least what we try to do in simpler words. Thank you so much. For more information about the EPIC project, check out their website, epic-h2020.eu. This podcast has been brought to you by Technicon. The EPIC project has received funding from the European Union's Horizon 2020 Research and Innovation Program under grant agreement number 760150.